you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. You on vocals, good singing. How's everybody feeling? You're singing good. You're getting that holding the high note kind of buzz in your head. It feels good. Actually, did I? Did, did we hear there was a there was a uh, singing contest? There's a karaoke contest. Who could who could uh, sing Pearl Jam songs? Maybe the last. Something happened in town a couple days ago. I, w- I wish I, wish I would have known. I, I, I truly think I was talking about, I think I, I, think I could have placed a strong third. I had a good night before I started drinking. But um, if the winners are here, they should come up. I'm, I'm curious to see. Oh, no, no, not yet. Oh, you're here. Hi. You save it. No, save it. Save it. I'm scared. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go. I, I'm, in, I'm not ready to meet you yet. I'm nervous. You make me nervous. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and today's episode is capping off of our festival month that we've been doing in july a couple of shows that you might have heard before like Mudfest, and then a couple that maybe you didn't listen to like one of the first Lollapalooza shows from 1992 that we did at shoreline amphitheater and then last week we did the heineken opener festival that happened in 2010 today we kind of weave them in and out a little bit today is going to be an important one because this is Telluride. And I think Telluride has to be one of those shows where all you have to do is mention the name and people are going to know what exactly happened. There are not a lot of other shows that went through the 10 or 9 song acoustic open and the ones that we kind of know by heart, Red Rocks, The Gorge, Mansfield, Santa Barbara, those all happen. And we get this again, kind of a throwback to the first time they did it, which was also in Colorado. So kind of cool connection there. But also you have to think, every time they've seen to do this, they've added in brand new songs, they've added in rare songs, 
and essentially some songs that they haven't played in a very, very long time. And this one fits that theme 100%. Let's get talking about it. Unfortunately, it's not a visual podcast because for this, it probably should be. But we'll do our best to paint the picture. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Hey. Yeah, I, re- I remember watching the setlist thread for this, watching the songs pop up and just being like, oh my God. Because I, you know, I was getting ready to go see them at, at Wrigley six weeks later. And just being like, man, if this is any indication of where they're at right now, this is going to be really special. And just being blown away by, you know, especially people know they play Angel here in the seventh spot for the first time since 1994. And I remember when that came up, it was one of those things where like, wait, what? And just like trying to scour for the video the next day, finding it. And like, Again, it's just one of those moments that this band can do where, like, you think you've got them figured out. And, you know, we've seen that on this tour as well. You think you got them figured out, and then they throw a curveball at you. And this is definitely one of those. It's it's a good one. They, they were on a, a good run that summer of 2016. Yeah, absolutely. And this was the precursor to the Fenway shows that I went to. And what's interesting here is some of the rare stuff that they brought out at Fenway was played here as well. So it was on their mind then. Like, Society was played at night one, and Angel, like you mentioned, was was night two. And and back then, it was really tough for me to say that I I knew Angel as a song. I didn't really know it that well. I knew that it existed, but I couldn't tell you what the lyrics were. I couldn't tell you how the song progressed. I, I knew it was a Dave A song, and I knew it was a little kind of offbeat on the chords, but I think I remember checking my phone and like listening to the lyrics that Ed was singing, I'm right by your side, and saying Pearl Jam, I'm right by your side, and finding out the song, I'm like, oh, okay, that is Angel. And then I start texting a couple of people, they're like, it wasn't even a holy shit, it was, wait, they still do that? That could be a thing that's, that's in the running to actually happen? And I think the only other song that you could say after all of this time that has gone so long, I guess the the era that it belonged to, Angel kind of being in that 1993-1994 zone, would be like Just a Girl. It would be like Just a Girl being played. I, I don't think, well, maybe one or two people out there that I know mention Just a Girl very often, but I don't think anybody would expect something like that. And I don't think the band would do it either. But as we've seen, the guy that wrote the song, Angel, wasn't there for this, obviously. And they decided to do it anyway. And it made for a really nice moment and a throwback to their history. And we're probably going to talk about it a lot when we get to it. But it just goes along with all of the rarities that are happening here. We got Santa Cruz that was turned into Telluride, but Santa Cruz, another Christmas single. It only got played at one bridge school show and the debut of society too. Like you get some real gems in this one. If you're following along closely and you're seeing this as it goes on. Yeah. You're, you're pretty damn impressed by it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the location and the scenic area that they're in. Cause you know, we've obviously, you know, you mentioned the gorge and red rocks and things like that. And this is up there with those locations and that there is a little video on YouTube of some of it. And you get to see like the mountains and the trees and all the scenery right around everything. 
Ed likes that stuff, and when he sees that they're playing a place like that, he's going to go out of his way to make it special, and it's got to be cool for them to look out and see the crowd and see that instead of seeing, like, a corporate banner arena or baseball field, you know, whatever. To be outdoors and to be in that environment is going to lead to some some special nights, and we've seen that before, and this is no exception. It, It absolutely belongs in that list of places. You know, it's not surprising that they came out and did this. It's not surprising that they started sitting down because say you were to start even outside of starting with your actual typical openers like release and long road kind of stuff. If they started with corduroy, if they just hit you right away, I don't think that would have captured that vibe at all. So they did it right, and that's what Ed just does so perfectly, is he's able to kind of look out the window and say, all right, well, this is this situation. We're going on. They start playing at, I think, 7.18 specifically. That that was the exact time that they started. And it stayed light out for, if, if not over an hour, very close. It was yeah. it was a while like and and the weird thing especially in this era of Pearl Jam you know going back to the last decade or so into now there haven't been a lot of shows where Pearl Jam is played in the daylight it's something really refreshing to see and and you can just see it on their faces they are so excited to be there they're happy they're having fun and there's just a cheerfulness coming from Ed during all of his speeches. And and he just really wants to interact. He really wants to connect with the crowd because a place like that and and a spot like that, it it feels like you're all close knit and you're all there to become best friends. It all came together at the show to make for a really special experience. And I, this is one that, you know, I wish I'd been there would have been insane. Well, speaking of that, there is somebody that was there, and we got a chance to talk to her. That's right. As John and I were preparing for these big, gaudy ballpark shows, a lot of other people were preparing for this little ride festival here, and one of them is our Horizon Leg patron, Jenny G. She didn't have that far to go. She's from Colorado. So why don't we get a little bit of her story, because her Horizon Leg profile is coming out later this week, so we might as well get a little bit of a preview from that. So here's Jenny. So my daughter was 11. My son, 14. And my daughter is a music person. My son, not so much. But we decided, you know, this is a festival. It's not going to be as big of a crowd. This would be a good show to take the kids. Because not expecting to get close or anything like that figured it would be a pretty laid back environment we drove up with our pearl jam buddy my husband's best friend since elementary school and we drove up with him and his son our first experience like we we've been driving for eight hours we get into telluride we pull up my husband goes in to get the hotel and i'm sitting in the back of the car my our friend rich is out with the kids And I look out and I see a guy in a hat with a little boy and he's taking pictures and Rich is, he like looks at me and he's like, is, is, is that Mike? Is that Mike? Like he's, and I jump out of the car. I almost knock him over. I felt really bad. (laughs) I jump out of the car and I, I just go, hi Mike. (laughs) And he turns around 
And like we had a, a quick little conversation. It was him and his son. You know, he's like, are you in for the show? And we said, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was just, he was super nice. The whole time my husband is in, he could see what was going on and he's looking. He's like, oh, really? I the, like this. His dream is to like see them walking around, right? Like he's and he's gone to twenty plus shows, and and here it is. I think at that point it was like my fifth show or something like that. And he's like, and she's already meeting the band. He, I, you could just see him. So I asked if we could take a picture, and then I was like, you know, never mind. You know, you're with your son. It's cool. I understand. He's like, no, no, no. Me and my daughter and Mike, we have a picture of us. That's the and one that you use for your profile. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> That to me, like just that, that was the initial experience. And then from that point on, it just, you couldn't have a better concert experience. I couldn't as a parent bringing their kid to their first show and, you know, my daughter and my son and our friend Rich's son, you know, as a first concert experience, it was, it was phenomenal. We ended up being on the rail. The kids were troopers. They sat on the rail from like 11 o'clock on. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it is tough. And they, and they did a great job until like 15 minutes before Pearl Jam was supposed to go on. All the kids are like, yeah, we have to, we have to go to the bathroom. And oh. I was like, I was like what? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, I was like, really? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Parent first, fan second. Gotcha. Okay. So I take them through, go to use the restroom, come back make our way back through the crowd. My daughter, there's only a couple of times where people wouldn't move out of the way as we were coming through to which my daughter just started whining for her dad and everyone moved out of the way. It's always a good <laughs> so, trick. Yeah, exactly. I was like, all right, whatever. Got back to where we originally were, which was on Stoneside. My favorite kind of fun fact with that is that if you go to the Pearl Jam website, and you look at the pictures from the Telluride show, there's a picture of my daughter with her oh, sign cool. that says very first Pearl Jam show. Can you play of the girl or something like that? That was what her sign said. She did not get of the girl, which is fine. But like just that whole experience. So like when the, when the band started, like when they came out, Ed came out and looked around, like immediately spotted her and, <laughs> and waved to her. And I was like, you waved to you. And she's like, no, he wasn't waving at me. I was like, yeah, wave back. And so she waved back and he, he waved again. So I like, that was cool. He acknowledged her. She sang all the songs. She knew all the things. They played a Tom Petty song and she knew all the words to that. Like she's, she's a music person. So anyway, my favorite part, well, I have a couple of favorite parts, but after society, Ed walked over to in front of my daughter and was trying to get the security guy's attention and his back was to Ed, so he didn't know. And so I said, hey, I said, he's trying to get your attention. And the guy and security guy turned around and Ed told the security guy to give his pick to my daughter, um, which was super awesome. And then a little bit later, and so my daughter had a smile shirt on. She really liked that song, Smile. And so then cut to a little bit later, Ed plays Smile. He's like, and my daughter's going to town and he sees my daughter like going to town, like just, she's singing all the words. And I swear it's like he, you know, he's done with his harmonica and I, and, and I swear he's like going to give it to her. Like he was looking at her and then he like realized, oh, I already, I already gave her a pick. 
I can't. And so he went off to someone like who wants it and gave it to somebody else. And so I was like, that was still a cool thing. Like he acknowledged her being into that song and, and then came cut to, I must've been during porch. You know, he's passing his wine around. He's sharing his wine and he, he gets to where I am and I'm, I'm in back of my daughter. I'm kind of caging her in just to make sure that she's okay. And I have my cup out and he looks up and he stops and he sees her and he's like, oh, hey. And like he realized like where he was and talked to her and she's like, hey. <laughs> There's nothing special about anything that she was doing other than singing along and being a kid at a show. To me, it was just a, a really cool thing that she had those interactions on her very first concert and it yeah. was a safe place and it was, a f- you know, it was fun and not too many kids... I think can say for their first experience that they had interactions with the lead singer that he personally gave her, you know, gave them something. And she hates it when I tell the story. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> but I'm like, I have to, like, yeah, to me, I'm like, it's the, like, that's what made it the show. Like it was, it was amazing for me because it was amazing for her. Wonderful stuff, Jenny. Thank you so much. And again, if you want to check out her whole entire Pearl Jam story, head on over to Patreon. I usually make these episodes free, so if you wanted to go in and and not spend any money on it, then you are free to do so. Once again, thank you, Jenny. Awesome stuff. Band comes out on the stage, and everybody takes a seat. Believe it or not, Ed says, Good evening, campers, and we're on our way. time that nothing man was used as an opener believe it or not how crazy is that that surprised me a little bit because it's become such a a big crowd moment a fan favorite that i I, yeah i think it works great here i'd love to see them do it you know at an arena show and you know we had that kind of run of unique openers early in the tour and i'm kind of surprised that this one didn't make an appearance i think it would absolutely fit you know i'd love to see it in the in the fall if they want to open with it oh absolutely yeah i'm uh, you know we're obviously for the hundredth week in a row we're going to tell you that we are doing an evolution episode on on nothing man but here's the difference we're done with all of the european tour stuff now so we can say that and feel confident about it that we can give it to you guys pretty soon so that's going to be the next thing that we put our our big effort into and yeah it it never got the opening slot but a lot of those shows on the lightning bolt tour 
number two or number three. It was always in that yep. mix. So it's it doesn't feel like a complete surprise that it's there because it's it's been around that. And most of us kind of know it as like the mid-set cooldown and spots and stuff like that. But use it as an opener is great. You know, you, you want a song that's going to set the tone, obviously, especially for the next 10 that are going to come your way. This was a real good one to, to start this off. I have maybe what could be a little theme throughout this first 10, and that is Stone's face while strumming. He doesn't get rid of his sour suck-a-lemon face this whole entire time, and it's very funny. I don't know if he's doing that on purpose, but he's got this like squinty-eye kind of look the whole time that he's playing. And you love crazy stone faces and crazy stone motion, sure. so... Sure, sure. Uh, you know, it's his acoustic guitar face. I think sure. You know, playing electric guitar versus playing acoustic guitar are very different. You know, the action is different on the, on the fretboard. The strings are further apart. Because some of these songs are intricate songs. He's really given it the full stone concentration face. And yeah, I love it. You know, one of the most endearing parts of, of the band is just watching Stone when he's excited or concentrating, doing anything. He does, you know, they call it the duck face or whatever. But yeah, it's classic Stone here. So we're going into song number two from this little beginning. And it's Pendulum, which everybody knows to be as the opener. Really, you can flip flop these in most 2013 shows and that would be your start and what's interesting to me numbers wise that i'm looking at this for a lot of the songs later in the set and we're going to bring it up later but this is a a good show to sort of benchmark what they were doing then and what they've done since up till now and it's so interesting because obviously pendulum was really the song that they were hitting pretty hard as the opener this is the 40th time that they had played it they've only played it four more times that's it which is so crazy to think about that because as we met like it it was so common it was so frequent it was almost an inevitability i think there was only one show on that 2013 tour where they didn't do it we haven't seen it at all we didn't see it on the west coast we haven't seen it no europe so who knows yeah and only i think three times in that 2018 yep. run so yep. it, it, it is interesting and, and a lot of these that we can kind of dissect and, and and wonder about are the lightning bolt songs that haven't been going back to but there's going to be one in just a second that's a little bit more surprising than you'd think I love this version of Pendulum I thought this was great I think that the build in this you're feeling that rise on it and the tone of the song is bringing that air of mystery you got Mike doing a lot of stuff over there Stone doing stuff on his side and Ed's I, I love those little ah, 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 ah's in the background and even these have a little bit of bite to them and when he starts doing that that's really when the tempo starts to drive I like this version Pendulum is kind of a quietly underrated song. You know, I think it was originally, you know, written for Backspacer. I think it would have helped that record greatly. And yeah, I, I like this version as well. I think especially, you know, Matt is doing some little like flourishes at the end and adding some extra little stuff to give it a little bit more character. He does that because they're they're loose and they're relaxed and that's the best environment for Pendulum. So actually, you know, I kind of like it here. One of the better performances on the night, I think. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that for sure. And and you got 
again, all these songs that are kind of fitting in here and, and you're building up to the ones that are going to feel like the go-home ones, the one that you're going to talk about for, well, up until now, six years later. So we'll get to a lot of Ed stuff here. Ed talks a lot. I'm going to try and trim it down as much as I can to just the, the important pieces. So let's see where this goes. Ed says, I think we have time tonight so we can ease into our surroundings here. I know you've had a beautiful day. And as Kurt Vonnegut used to say, in places like this, it doesn't get better than this. Going to share a story with you. The first time this group ever played in this state, it was in a place that was nowhere near as beautiful as this. But I was given a sticker of a radio station and I put it in my and it, I, we don't have video for this part, but I'm sure that he's looking at a briefcase because he mentions the briefcase right here. It was apparently the first briefcase that he owned, and everybody kind of knows that that's his calling card is to bring out the briefcase and carry his, his lyric sheets and any of his ideas in there. And as he says, rolling papers as well, which makes a lot of sense. And he said, look. But I'd open this, this case and, and this sticker was, it was actually like, it became like a, it was like a window. It was like I was looking out the window at these mountains. And, 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 and it had a word called Telluride, which I didn't even know what that meant. So now today, 20 plus years later, and it's not just a sticker, it's real life. So we're very happy. It's a destination. It's an accomplishment. So here's to the thin air. That's, I think, a lot of the cheerful moments from Ed that you're getting in this. If you like a show where Ed is really connecting with the crowd and kind of going into the past a little bit, th this is going to be it. And even not going into the past, but like what he was doing in that current time as well. There's a lot of that here. Thin Air, Sleeping By Myself, and Off He Goes are kind of the section here. There's one I really want to talk about. Thin Air, of course, going to be played. There's another one that's going to be played in a little while when we get to it that, you know, from the name makes sense of why they would play it. The altitude up there, and there's going to be moments in the show where Ed is going to have a little trouble breathing and a little trouble going from lyric to lyric. And I think that they did a really good job of picking the right songs to sort of not get tossed up with that but we'll get to that one when we get to that. I think real quick, Sleeping By Myself was the one that I was just mentioning out of Lightning Bolt songs where you got Pendulum that was played four times after the show. Sleeping By Myself, this was the 14th. It had been played eight more times. That's that's a lot for Sleeping By Myself. I wouldn't have expected that. Let's yeah, just say we've that. seen it, what, three times this year already? I think? Two or three times? Two or three, yeah. I think yeah. it was two, but it could have been yeah. three. It's, it's, it's fine. You know, Sleeping By Myself is not, you know, one that I go back to a lot. But, again, fits the mood. It's the right time. So, sure. I think Off He Goes is the moment that I'd like to talk about a little bit more. Because, you know, in, in this, and there are really two type of versions that you can really talk about with Off He Goes. There's the one that's more like this, where it's it's campfire it's anthemic, it's a little bit more positive. And then there's the one that's stark. And I know that you really like the stark version that feels like it's really fitting the personality of the character that is portrayed in the song. However, in this version, I really loved the aspect of the anthemic vibe and soaring vibe with this. I thought that there was a lot of heart to it. 
it felt like the band was really into this one. It felt like the crowd, especially up front, if you watch some of the videos, they were really singing along. They were really enjoying this. There's one point that was kind of a fun moment where Ed definitely does not remember the lyrics. Right. And everybody's trying to make up for it, and he has a laugh with them. And it, it just feels so casual. It just feels so casual as it goes along. And, and this one... It just had a very likable quality to it. It's a song that, in this moment, it made you smile and made you pretty happy to hear it. He's yet to come back But I've seen his picture Boy, it doesn't look the same I'm on the ground Oh, now you know we can wait favorite Pearl Jam songs, hands down. I do like the darker, kind of starker versions, but I like these versions a lot as well. I thought this was, yeah, in addition to a great performance. And coming off of Thin Air and Sleeping By Myself, I think you needed something like this to kind of get that campfire sing-along going again. So, yeah, I absolutely love this. Like I said, I thought the build was really good on it. I thought Stone was really good on it. It's just such a cool song you know there's something off of no code that they hadn't really done before and yeah this is one of my all-time favorites absolutely love it i want to get to a little bit of the backdrop here before we get into the next ed speech it's got like this old saloon or barn look to it very rustic and you kind of look at it and if there are really tight shots where you can't see the rest of the stage you're like whoa are they actually playing the first thing i guess i thought of before thinking that is that it was interesting that they didn't have more of an open stage where you can see all the the backdrop and stuff behind them but obviously you need lights and things like that but would have been kind of cool to see that and now here's the speech Ed mentions here before he gets into the kelly curtis birthday party stuff he mentions that he did mess up so he acknowledges that and if you breathe a lot you're having to breathe to sing then your head starts to feel like cream soda and it gets a little fuzzy and this kind of leads to him talking a little bit of story about a little situation with marijuana and smoking it at Kelly Curtis's birthday party where, you know, they set up the plates and they set up the dinner and every single seat had a joint next to it, which is just pretty awesome. And he starts to partake. Next thing you know, the food came. And then the next thing you know, uh, I mean, I... The, the food came and I, 
I was looking at my hands, trying to pick up a, a eating utensil, and I nothing was moving, and I had to concentrate real hard, and still nothing was moving, and I started to freak out a little bit. Looked around to see if anybody noticed. They didn't seem to notice. So I tried to play it cool, but I was like, I gotta lift my hand somehow here. So I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, and then and then I went to raise my 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 left my left hand, and I finally got it, but my right leg went up. So then I had to then I had to figure out the the what the equation. So if I try to move my left hand, my right leg's gonna go up. So maybe I need to move my left leg up to make my right arm move. Which actually worked. But I thought, this is gonna be kind of tricky to pull this off for like a half hour. Matt Cameron, he could do that kind of stuff. He's ambidextrous. I was completely fucked. Pre preface this whole thing by saying back in the day when marijuana wasn't wasn't legal an ounce of pot would last him about 10 days now it lasts him a couple of years so obviously he doesn't have the same repetition as he once did back in the day but fun story and then he says later in the night if i ask you to put your legs in the air i'm actually talking about your hands i was thinking to myself just breathe so this is the other one that obviously is fitting the idea of being out there in the altitude and the open air. And ladies and gentlemen, we do not have two for two. There's no bass on this. Yeah. It's, why, why does the band leave? Like they are in the well, middle of the show. Ed and asked the, the same question. Yeah. Whose decision is that? That has Who to be Ed's decision, right? Right. Did they all just like randomly decide like, Oh, just breathe. We'll take this one off. Like everybody just left. Like, what the hell, know. guys? Come on. I don't know. And and look, the evolution episode, whenever we get to it of Just Breathe, is going to be really interesting to pinpoint that moment where they decided that the bass wasn't good enough. But it, it does feel weird that we're not getting it here, especially since Ed's going to mention it. And look, Ed starts to get a little frustrated. This this is a nice little moment here. It's pretty cool. He misses a note or two. Am I the only person who plays on this? I see a few more people over here. I could have maybe gotten away with that. So I got, I got sunburn. Uh, something about something. Then after that came the other thing about that. And then, oh. Imagine if more people were up there. How would that sound? Yeah, it would have been Probably better. We have a pretty solid version of this song that fits in really well with the rest of these acoustic anthemic kind of songs. Yeah, it's so weird that they would come play the first five and then leave 
and then come right back. Like, why? That, that's just it's, so strange. It's not it an onslaught break. Like, what, what were they doing back there? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they, they, they were inspired by the story and went to go all smoke joints back in the... Uh, I don't think they need to be inspired by a story to do that. But yeah, I I don't know if that's just a decision that Ed makes and says, look, let's change it up and I'll kind of take lead on this. But even so, if you're going to do an Ed song just by himself, could have chose society, right? Sure. Yeah. Nobody would have minded that. Right. It's not a Pearl Jam song. So Yeah. Maybe a missed opportunity, but I don't think it destroys this nice little set that we have here. And now everybody's back on stage, and we talked about it before. Ed's going to talk about it here. So, some of you may may know that the, this is uh, a rare occurrence, and, and some of you may not. And, and, and uh, but I, but for those, I, I will just mention it's maybe something we played once or twice, long, long time ago, and. Um, it was because uh, what well, was it was written by a, a guy who played drums with us called Dave Abruzzisiak. Uh, Dave Abruzzis. Um So we wish him well, and um, we're gonna we're gonna play this one. I'm thinking about. Like an angel fly over your house Like an angel pass out wishes Like an angel I remove the arrow Ago was 699 shows. 
almost 700. If you just waited till the Pemberton Festival, Ed, if you just waited, you would have gotten there. But they like the stats. I don't think they like them that much. If you were wondering, yes, Angel does hold the record of any song that has been brought back. And I'm thinking just original song, no covers, just original song that has had the most amount of time in between plays, 699. I think the song has just an interesting sort of way about it. And it it makes me think of the kind of songwriter that Dave could have been. And we've seen little bits of pieces of him writing stuff here, you know, along with Stone and, and whoever else that was writing alongside of him. But I wonder if he had stayed around would he have been more integral to the to the writing process of this? Because this does feel like a song that is a Pearl Jam song, and you wouldn't think that by the way that Dave sort of goes about his musical style and his influences and stuff like that. They do kind of stray a little bit from the rest of the band, but a song like this does fit in Pearl Jam's wheelhouse, so I, I wonder what other things that he might have had that could have done the same. Yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't have enough of a sample size to really talk about Dave A as a songwriter. You know, it's, this is such a weird kind of song, and obviously it was on the fan club single, but and they really do a deconstruction of it here. It's not a faithful version, like Stone is playing a very different rhythm, especially early on than, than what the official, you know, released version of the song was. If if he hadn't have have introed it that way, I would have been like, wait, what is this? And you know, it wouldn't have been until the lyrics really started to be like, oh, okay, they're playing Angel, holy shit. But yeah, again, just one of the biggest like holy shit moments of the last you know ten or fifteen years that this random festival and we got and we need to stop talking about how festival sets are so boring because this one is they, so much uh, different. They they're busting this out here at a festival and from the angle of the video they're watching, it seems like no one in the crowd knows what it is. They're pretty like blasé about the whole thing. They're like, oh, okay, this is this is nice. Like there's not like if they did this, you know, in Seattle or I'm sure when they did it in, in Fenway, there was like a big reaction of like, oh, my God, holy shit. I honestly don't remember. I right. honestly don't think right. there was. Yeah, because it's just it's so out there and so weird. But I think it's it's super cool. And, you know, I, I love the song. It's like, you know, give me the the weird Pearl Jam songs every day of the week. So I, I like this one a lot, especially when it kicks in at the end, like kind of the round as it goes on and on. And he does a little bit of that here but the ending is very good there's a um, triumphant finish to it you know yeah yeah makes you wish they hadn't waited almost 700 shows to play it what what, what could have been if i asked you on july 8th 2016 what would be one song that would be no chance in hell that they would ever do it where would this lie on your list top five top five yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah, just a big holy shit moment and a cool version of the song, different from probably any other time they played it. It's like you had a little bit of a taste of the big leagues and then spent the whole entire career in the minors. And once you turn about 40 and they need a couple guys up for injuries, they bring you back up and you get that glory moment. You're not going to stick around for a whole long, a long time or anything like that, but it just feels good to be there. That is Angel. Albert Pujols at the Home Run Derby. <laughs> I mean, he beat Kyle Schwarber, man. 
Yeah, okay. I still think that might have been fixed, but anyway. Here's another one that we've never tried as a group before, but the atmosphere does call for it. And um, we've been thinking about them since we got here, and this is, if there's any uh, Chris McCandless fans out there. And um, we got a, a request from one of the locals yesterday, and then um, we tried to figure it out. And, and then out of nowhere, and, and I hadn't talked to her for quite a while, but five minutes before we walked up here, his, his sister um, uh, texted me. So that was just crazy. Um, so Chris would have been about 45 now. Um, Chris is the young man from Into the Wild. And um, man, I, I can only think that uh, if, he, if he could have found this place first, or uh, I know he probably would have found it eventually. He would have been very happy here. song this is jerry heron yep and obviously it's so much more of a different vibe than you get on the soundtrack recording and i think on the sound it's so hard to grab that idea that they did there because it's just it, it's got a little bit more of a haunting mysterious sort of progression to it and I think right away when I, when you hear the opening chords and you don't hear that that little humming that he does in the background, that to me is the preparation that gets you in and gets you kind of excited for this. And not hearing that, it's a little part, but definitely is a little bit different than the way that Ed had constructed it for the record. Definitely, and uh, I like this a lot too. I love the solo that Mike does. Like, it's not flashy. That you know, this song obviously doesn't need a, an Eddie Van Halen solo on it, but I think it's it's cool. It really fits the song, and I think it has a little bit of like a Johnny Cash feel to it, especially at the end. It had that kind of that rhythm of like a Johnny Cash song. I thought it was it was very well done. I really like it. Now, I don't know if in Ed's solo shows, if he does it more like the soundtrack recording. Does he? Like, I think do, he does, yeah. He does, okay. So it's just taking it into Pearl Jam and finding a little bit of a different spirit with it. Because, look, obviously they did that with Sleeping By Myself, too. It's an Ed song, he brings it to the table, and then they have to kind of switch it up. They don't do that as much with Setting Forth, because it kind of already had a full band on it. But it's hard to recapture the same sort of magic so to them i'm sure they're thinking to themselves let's develop a new sort of magic and i I think that's the idea that you know you don't get complacent with songs 
and that you're just trying to figure out a way that it works for everybody and not just work for Ed and maybe not even just work for the crowd. So it does feel like maybe they could have brought it up a couple more times, but I don't even know. And you never know. This one is obviously a popular song. So if anybody else has a request for it, which I'm sure they would at some point in life, then uh, we'll, we'll just have to see how they feel. Maybe play this venue again. You never know. All right, the last two of this little set here is going to be Low Light and Small Town. I think these are pretty obvious choices for the campfire set. I think these are two that sort of define the campfire set. And Low Light, of course, it's setting up the path for the sun to set, which I don't believe was ready to go at that point. It was starting to go down, but I think it stayed light out for a little little bit longer. And that's why he was trying to to stretch out on those stories. He was trying to wait for the sun to go down for low light. He was trying to time it perfectly. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. When you when you think of the campfire songs, it's kind of akin to the way that Alive is going to be your big song for a normal set. It does feel like Elderly Woman is the song that is the go-to song of the, all the campfire songs. And and we've talked about this a lot. How this has a couple of different vibes to it and sometimes when they get campfirey they can also get pandering this was very good this didn't get pandering at all this just had the crowd they knew what they were doing ed set him up for the moments he didn't have to ask him anything he didn't have to pump them up this was just great he, he says sing to the mountains and the crowd complies and and then that's the end of the campfire i thought that that was a really fitting end with these two you know, you get a so glad I saw this place, which is always cool. And I think the chairs are actually gone for small towns. I, I think that, like, small town is, like, kind of the beginning of the main set. It's kind of like the reset for the set. Like, okay, here we yeah. go now. Fuck the chairs. Let's go. Yeah. The next one that you're going to get into is going to be the real transition that is more of a definitive version of where they are takes from where they are again with the whole theme of into the wild and then you're going to go into your classic first couple songs the the ones that are going to get you pumped up in the set but before getting into those and it's funny because there's 29 songs in this you can say the first 10 are one kind of set the next 10 are another and then the encore is kind of something different in and of itself so it's got a few different personalities in the set but ed thanks to the locals for allowing this to happen in the beautiful spot and all those humans many years ago who found the spot and decided to stay without the help of Google Earth. That feels like an inside joke that none of us are in on. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's pick up after ourselves so they let us back again. And setting forth is the one from Into the Wild that is going to be used here. And it's a 90-second song, and I feel like that's used for a good transition into what's all about to transpire. It kind of fits in within the campfire a little bit. It fits in within the outdoor vibe. And it also leads way enough where you kind of ramp it up a little bit. And then you can go into corduroys and wycos and minor manners kind of stuff. Very good. Yeah, Very it definitely well done. fits the... It, it's got that wide open feel to it. So yeah, they use it in spots like this. It's got that open air feel. So yeah, perfect segue into a really good version of corduroy. Yeah. Are you ready for the traditional Pearl Jam show here? All fast, fan favorite, energetic songs. Corduroy is the perfect spark out of all these. They get to the bridge and you can hear Ed saying, can we get this going in the back? Can we get this going in the back? And I don't know how far 
the back of that crowd went because a lot of the shots that we have only kind of show the front or the middle, but I, I'm wondering if it just kind of narrowed out and went deep, deep all the way back there. And, and you do, on that shot, you are able to see everybody's hands go up. So the crowd complied to that, and it was a fun moment and a really, good, really good performance leading to a big mic solo in this. Yeah, great solo. I thought, again, not super flashy, but very fluid and, and definitely fit the vibe of the song and very melodic, and I, I was really impressed by it. And then, yeah, just great call and response with Ed and the crowd afterwards. Ed and Jeff jamming together, always yep. a great visual. It doesn't happen a whole lot. And why go, Minor Matters? It's a good two-punch combo. We've seen them back-to-back -back recently. I want to say as, as recent as Paris. And before even flow, Ed is giving Stone a little bit of a nod. This version was pretty cool because you're hearing the sound coming off of Mike's guitar and it was in one spot. It kind of sounded almost like a lawnmower starting or something like that. Like, I just, I, I don't know if I've heard that sound before or if that's just something we haven't touched on in a very, very long time. But I thought that that was unique. And then Matt's going to get a solo in here, too. This is a pretty fast version of Evenflow, pretty shortened up. I would say no more than five and a half minutes, but powerful, powerful the whole entire way. out in the crowd to do his thing a little bit and there's a woman in the front row who's just like ah like completely blown out of, of her mind that he's right there in front of her doing this is pretty funny but then he immediately like takes off back to stage and one of my favorite things that he does you know whether it's in black or immortality even flow is go up to that amp and like really dig in and like get aggressive with it and like get some feedback going and kind of get into it that's when you know he's he's kind of feeling it he does that here and it's really cool all right and saying good singing how's everybody feeling you holding that high note buzz in your head it feels good we heard that there was a karaoke contest to see who could sing pearl jam songs something in town a couple days ago wish i would have known i think it could have placed a strong third on a good night before i started drinking if the winners are here, they should come out. Then the girls come out. And Ed is like, wait, wait, wait. No, not yet. I'm scared. I'm not ready to meet you yet. As if, like, they are the new Eddie Fetter or something like that. And he's like, you make me nervous. I still have to wrap my head around that that's who won. There was no boys. And if you thought it took balls to sing like that. So, pretty funny moment. And we're going to get to them in just a second. They're going to be in Daughter. These two back-to-back -back are... Well, what do you know? The the Jeff stand-up bass moments that we get from Versus. It's glorified G and Daughter, and then a little bit of a WMA tag off of Daughter as well. It's like it's 1993 all over again, right? Yeah, but I mean, come on. 
Let's not bury the lead here. You heard karaoke contest, and you were wishing that they had been in Vegas, and you would have gotten a chance to be this. You're a little, a little jealous of this, right? You're writing your own narrative, my friend, and that's <laughs> never a good thing because you will always get caught up in lies. So, no, that is very incorrect. I did not care. I did not think one way or another that Pearl Jam was ever going to find out about this. And if they did, wonderful. More power to them that they know that a bunch of people sang their karaoke songs while they weren't able to play a show in Vegas. That's would, Ed, would Ed have been able to finish higher than third in, in Vegas? Well, we didn't have, it wasn't a competition. We just did it. Okay. It wasn't, there was no competition to it. I don't know if he would have beat the Matt Cooper guy. He was pretty mm. damn good, but it would have been interesting to see what his choice would have been because the some of the pickings were a little bit slim after we might have forced him into doing like Tremor Christ or The Fixer or something like that because th- all those were on the board instead of Corduroy, Evolution, yeah, you know, yeah. the songs you'd expect. We might as well just cut into Daughter because that's, yeah, that's the lead and not what I did in Pearl Jam Karaoke or anybody else that night. He kind of looks at them and he's like, I'll come over, d- just you wait, don't be nervous. This is before the song. And they kind of creep up to Stone's mic until Ed's like, no, 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 come, come here, come to the front. And Very they get awkward. To s- Very it is awkward. awkward. It is awkward. One of the girls seems kind of nervously excited about it. The other one just doesn't know how to handle herself. And I think that's probably either of these cases are going to be how most people go up there on stage. However, I don't even think that they were the stars of the show in this song. From stage left... <laughs> You get very casually. This has happened very casually. You get this girl just walking out, you know, like you've been there before, as they always say, you know, when players score touchdowns or something, act like you've been there before. She's walking out like she owns the place. And as she goes up, she puts an arm around Ed and she starts doing this, you know, finger thing like, woo, woo. And very casually, some security cards come from behind her. And they're like, uh, that, that, that's enough. That, She's you, very you quickly escorted off. Yeah, that was, mm-hmm. that was hilarious. I really wonder who that is. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that maybe it was a friend of theirs. I don't know. It could have been Maybe. someone else that just decided to take a chance and nobody could have been the, the third place finisher who was trying to, to glom on to the spotlight a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's that's the villain in the story instead yep. of the yeah. yeah, but security calmly takes her away and then you know the girls kinda laugh, Ed kinda laughs, and they're just like, Okay, what the fuck was that? fun and i think that like most things that happen in the show just kind of bring out the best of the atmosphere it's it's very loose it's very casual nobody is thinking about like putting on this big arena rock show there they're all just having a good time they're all just feeling really chill then the girls say goodbye and and they have their moment singing the chorus and we get into a nice little wma tag here which there's a lot to talk about i think yeah, it's almost full WMA. I love it when, and you know, we saw this a couple of times on this tour where they would break into this and Jeff would start doing the WMA bass line 
instead of just kind of playing along with the daughter chords. So, right. yeah, I love when this happens. Uh, another very cool moment. Mike has a really echoey part in the transition that I thought sounded really, really good. and really felt like WMA, the real song. It, it did, yeah. Especially, I noticed the same thing with Jeff's bass line. Like, oh, that's, that's not just a tag. That's legit going into it. And I'm wondering, and it could be for a couple of reasons, but Glorified G and WMA being in the set right here, I wonder, was there like a, and obviously with everything that goes on and, and the mass shootings in America, yes, the answer is yes, there probably was. But I'm also thinking about like Colorado being a very gun heavy state. So I don't know if that was on their mind, but they wanted to, but one of those things you'd think, right? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, going back to Columbine and, you know, 99 or whatever that was, that, yeah, it's always going to be. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, of course. All right, three more songs that are going to finish out your main set. You got Sirens, Unthought Known, and Better Man. And Sirens could be another one to kind of go back to and say, hmm, this is really interesting numbers-wise. This was the 71st version of Sirens. It got played four more times and zero in 2022. Yep. Fair or unfair? Uh, Probably unfair. I'd have to say so. Yeah. Especially that era, a lot of people attached themselves to that song. It really meant something to the fans. It really meant something to the band. And it started to blossom into something really beautiful with the ending and and having the call and response and sort of doing those vocal runs a little bit. And we don't get that here. It's a little bit different version because you have it a little tuned down and and it still sounds very good. And again, kind of coming off of Just Breathe from earlier, we haven't done a lot of these sets from this time period recently. So you're getting Sirens, which if you're doing a lot of 2013, 2014 all in a row, you're like, okay, Sirens, let's let's get away from this a little bit. But here it's again, it's 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 refreshing to hear it again. You know, it's it's got kind of a renewed energy. And I like the lyric change too. He kind of goes back along with Glorified G and, and W. He says, "You know, hear the sirens not as much in this here town." So he's he's kind of you know thinking about this idyllic like mountain town where like they can kind of get away from a lot of those urban environments he was talking about earlier and kind of like let loose. And I, I think he was thinking about that too here. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised for sure. Ed's mentioning there's a lot of things on our mind, things going on in the country and in this planet, and again tie the gun songs to that for sure just want to say even though we aren't talking about it doesn't mean we aren't thinking about it we came here found an oasis together and made something positive happen take that back and plant seeds where we need it this one is to the big sky unthought known very very good version i thought again nice builds had a purpose to it soaring you don't get much better for that atmosphere and it transitions right into better man too it's like they kind of go hand in hand. I think the trying to keep the momentum going there. And yeah, Unthought Known's another one that again like fits perfectly in the in the environment. Another wide open open air song that really benefits from being played here, I think.
Jen is going to close out this set, of course, and the line changes to, she lies and says she's in love with me. Hmm. What could that be of? I have nothing to take away from that. I have to go back to 1988 to find out. Yeah, well, who knows, right? Yeah. It sounds like it gets a little bit tossed up during one of the lines here, and that goes back to, you know, 20 songs in, the altitude is really taking a toll on you, and as you mentioned, it's, it's getting tougher to breathe, and, and you kind of have to breathe and sing at the same time. Very difficult stuff. Outside of that, there's just a great version of this, I, I like a show-stopping version. And while we talked about last week's version being rushed, this was fast, but it also felt like it had that Better Man vibe where you could get lost in the song. You can get lost in the song, you hear the tag, and the tag kind of shuffles it up a little bit, and it just had a lot of heart to it. Uh, a big burst of energy at the end, like, uh, within the tag, big finish from that, like, that's this kind of version of this song that really makes this one of their best live songs and not like we saw last week which was just okay let's play a song as fast as we can to say we got it on the set list i know i'm harping back on that a little bit but i wanted to bring in that comparison to show you where the changes lie and also it made me appreciate the kind of different show that this is and putting better man at the end of a main set is just very very good and when was the last time you know porch and rearview mirror weren't played at a show it's crazy you, right you don't get either of those here and the thing is they're they're not needed i think porch here would have been a little overwrought it would have been a little bit maybe too much for the place i think you know sometimes better man is the better choice you know no pun intended so i like that they kind of were thinking outside the box here and you know fits in with the vibe of the show and kind of the songs were played and some of the songs are still yet to be played but yeah i wish they would give this a chance more often you know we have seen it a few times and you know they opened with it the one time this year but there's no reason that that porch has to be you know the all-time main set ender let's mix it up a little bit Region of the choir, I think the same thing. Yep. And you know, it seems that they are very, very attached to that song, especially the one time, I believe it was Krakow, of course, where they played it number two. Like they couldn't even just lifted it from the set. They had to play it. That it was mandatory that they did. It was the only song outside of a live that got played both nights in London. Like this is one that outside of this show it's a damn near guarantee and and obviously it was very weird that at the ohana shows i don't think they played it every every night at those ohana shows either so they can go a show without playing it and it can be okay and like you mentioned all throughout this episode it can come back and feel really really good when it comes back and feel special again so yeah, that's, that's all what the situation is here, and that is the end of the main set, 20 songs. Let's pause for station identification uh, before we get into the encore and talk a, bit, a little bit about what we have going on on Patreon and obviously the series of covering the reaction shows for Europe are over since the European tour is over, but if you wanted to go back and check any of those out, it is Patreon the way to do that. And before we get into thanking some people and before we get into other things and and letting you guys know about Patreon, there are going to be Patreon-related episodes coming in, in August, we promise. 
and it would be a great time to do them because September we're getting right back on the bandwagon as much as we can, d- depending on what they decide for for those shows. There might be some changes. Who knows? Because they got a big three-headed monster in the middle of that tour for sure. But every single night that they do a show, we'll be reacting to it. We'll be doing the live set list updates again. So that stuff will be available on Patreon once again. But in August, I think you can finally expect that Nothing Man Evolution episode to come to fruition and potentially one more Evolution episode. And potentially, it might not have either John or I on it. Mm. I'll leave the suspense out there. But also, we have to go back to our, our late night series say, as well. Late night series, yep. Gonna, we got a grievance to do. Yep, going to be very good. Looking forward to it. And look, if we get bored, we'll decide to do something else. It's There's no lack of things to do. And even if there was right now, and you haven't checked out the whole entire catalog, there is so much to go through. We've done 17 Evolution episodes. We've done the whole entire Bridge School series. We've done a lot of late night episodes, a lot of just excess episodes from anywhere like smaller shows within their tour anything from the off-ramp show to the crocodile cafe show in 1998 to a couple of 1992 shows here and there it's all in our archives and that's where you guys come along and if you want that content then it's all about joining patreon and we have the three tiers the bonus leg tier is going to get you all of the exclusive stuff we'll shout you out on the show and you'll be part of a nice little team and group of people that really are passionate and care about this band and the giga leg tier is the next tier and that will get you all of the above as well as a requested episode for some time in the future. Hey, sooner is better because we are getting that 2023 schedule filled up. I know it's almost August, but it's a coming, man. We got a lot of stuff to do. There are a lot of anniversaries next year that we got to attend to. And then the Horizon Leg tier, which obviously we heard from Jenny earlier in this episode. She is a Horizon Leg patron, so she got her own Horizon Leg profile. And not only that, but if you go on liveonfourlegs.com, which all of the proceeds from the Horizon tier go directly to, you have a profile on there that you get to showcase yourself and tell your little Pearl Jam story. Everybody that is on the tier has one. It's a thank you for contributing and, and putting that much into the show. And hopefully that that's something that you guys are into. And, and it'll be very interesting to talk about the Horizon tier in a second here because we have not one new Horizon tier member today. We have two to thank. Let's mention the bonus leg because we don't want to forget about the bonus leg. So a big thank you goes out to Frederick Seaman. Thank you so much, Frederick Seaman. Don't laugh. Thank you. Don't laugh. No, no. Be no, nice. <laughs> Joining up on the bonus leg tier. And then we have not one, but two that joined up to the horizon leg. The first person joined up is William Wallace. However, I, I I have my doubts that that's his actual name because he has a Scottish flag on his <laughs> Twitter profile. So I'm not sure, but I'm going to call him William Wallace right now. If freedom is what he what he wants, then freedom is what he gets. I don't I like what you know any quote from Braveheart that you want to give, but we're very thankful that he now has the freedom to go through the archives and check out any episode that he wants and then get his Horizon Link profile sometime. That's a very, very cool thing. 
And we're also going to thank good friend of the show, Aaron Redman. Aaron was somebody that when the West Coast shows were happening, he was our guy on the scene, kind of like how Aurelian was. And, you know, there weren't a lot of live streams to begin that. So Aaron was really our guy on the scene that was telling us everything that happened and we were directing it back to you. So he's a very vital part of what Live on Four Legs was doing this year. He wrote a couple of great write-ups on liveonfourlegs.com talking about his time in Los Angeles, talking about his time in Phoenix. If you want to seek those out, feel free to. And now Aaron is Horizon Leg patron, very smart Pearl Jam fan. It'll be a very interesting conversation and, and interesting to see what show he picks too. Cause I think he's been to a bunch of really good ones. So I don't doubt that he's going to pick one of the best stories and he's a good storyteller. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to Aaron. Thank you to Frederick and thank you to William Wallace, I suppose. And that's, that's great. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, of course. Yep. And we're working up to the goal. Look, we're coming very close to 200 episodes and the goal here, if we don't hit it, it's just kind of a fun thing, but we would love to hit 200 patrons by the time we get to 200 episodes. So if you want to chip in just $1 a month, just for that, or chip in the $10 a year, that's basically the same tier as the $1 a month feel free to let's get to a goal. If we get there, we'll do something good for that. And uh, we'll, we'll pick out a charity or we'll pick out somewhere to send some of that funding to. So patreon.com slash live on four legs, or you can go on live on four legs.com and click on the orange, become a patron button and do it that way. Either way, it gets you the stuff. So thank you everybody for listening to that and joining in on that. And also keep liveonfourlegs.com bookmark as always. And even if the tour is not going on right now, there's always stuff to check in on. So keeping that open for you guys. All right, let's get back to the rock. To begin this, Ed comes out and he says, I don't mean to keep you waiting. He's by himself. Anybody got to go to bed and keeps going on like, oh, there are people that are here that need to go to bed. So if you got to get to sleep, get to sleep. And he kind of says there's a good news, bad news situation. The bad news is that we have to come here about a week early in order to get acclimated because you get fucking out of breath here. And he's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. That's the good news. So we have to come in a week early. Then there's a situation. He says he, he can't hear somebody in the crowd and ask if they're okay and is looking at somebody and he's like wait a minute did her water just break she her high-pitched voice kind of sounded like her water just broke and he wanted to check on her for a second sorry she's screaming i love you eddie i love you eddie i love you eddie like over and over again it gets to the point of like it's getting annoying and ed doesn't like his name being called anyway so but he's like nope nope that's just a broken water bottle instead and then mentions this song is written about a place. And if I realized that the words were adjusted, it could illustrate how we were feeling today. This song was originally written as Santa Cruz, but this version could be called Telluride. Head in the east, the compass reads. Look at our speed, we're going 63. Out the windows, the trees go green. I look at them and they Look at me Got Neil Young on the stereo He comes along whenever I go But something different as I hear him now Heading east on a familiar ride 
Christmas single from 2008, as we mentioned earlier in the show, been played at one other time, Birch School 2010, and the lyrics are an obvious change to fit the atmosphere here, because Santa Cruz is more about the beach and more about, you know, being in the sun and, and more about being at the water, and this is more about the mountains and the waterfalls and the other stuff that's surrounding this area. So I, I thought it was a really nice little way to bring a song that doesn't get thrown into the fold too much and kind of change it up to really bring character to the area that they're in that they've talked about all show how much they really enjoy and appreciate and unlike angel it's not one i think about too often i do think about angel sometimes i do kind of get it into my head i don't think about santa cruz too much i just don't it's one of those that it just kind of gets forgotten a little bit and it's not that it's a bad song or anything like that. It's just one that you can't put it on a Spotify playlist or anything. So, or maybe you can, maybe the Christmas singles on it. I'm not sure, but yeah, it, it's got a nice vibe and, and you know, they, they change it up. And I think that kind of to start out the encore doing that, it gets a lot of people back into the mood. Yeah. You could sit any Pearl Jam fan down and ask them to start naming songs and you would be there a long time before you got to Santa Cruz for most of them, I think. And yeah, another one that we just never thought would ever be played again. But I give Ed a lot of credit for this because you can tell that he worked on it. Like he changed up the rhyme scheme, made it fit, like made the rhymes fit with Tell Your Ride instead of Santa Cruz. And like, it's very well done and he gets through it and like, okay, he worked on that. Like he spent time doing that, which is pretty cool to think about like he took time out for this little song that was just going to be a couple of minutes here and made it special and you know for this crowd and and gave them something to remember so yeah i think this is great i love the song again give me the the weird pearl jam songs you know give me the obscure christmas single that that hasn't appeared anywhere else you know obviously this was not on lost dogs so yeah very very cool not just one, but two Christmas singles that weren't on Lost Dogs. One that could have been, and this one obviously couldn't yep. be, but who knows when that Stray Cat record is coming out anytime oh, soon. Someday, yeah. We're hoping for it, right? Yep. Ed pays some respects to the other bands that played that day, like Band of Heathens, Little Hurricane, and Highly Suspect, and The Dirty Knobs. And The Dirty Knobs features Tom Petty's guitarist from The Heartbreakers, Mike, Mike Campbell. Campbell. And apparently call him Gator in the band. 
So this one is for him, and it's I won't back down because that's the Tom Petty one that they usually go back to. I thought perfect song for the outdoors once again. You know, it, it's one that soars. It's one that everybody sings back to. Well, I know I tried. I got just one life. Oh, in a world that keeps on pushing me around. I'll take on it and then i have a random thought so i'm gonna leave it there the crowd on this fantastic you know this is not a big you know arena crowd that's gonna be singing along with everything like it's a festival crowd you know everybody knows the song so i thought that this was a big one of the big crowd moments we hadn't really gotten a lot of in this on this night yeah i thought it was great what you got I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah like this is a transcendent song like anybody can play this in any sort of set like you know you, you bring it to a hip-hop show and people might know it you bring it <laughs> i know that's a little bit of a stretch you bring it to i don't know like uh think of any classic rock think of any like psychedelic rock think of any punk like the whole entire crowd is going to know this I'm picturing and, like you you've got me thinking of like I'm picturing like a beat to it now like it needs to be sampled <laughs> by by I someone mean, it, if it, it hasn't does been have already. a little bit and, and look you got to think of the petty version not the not just the ed version here which is solo yeah. and on electric this one is here's my thought that I don't want to get away from is that it doesn't feel like Pearl Jam has that song that if anybody were to play it in any setting that the whole entire crowd can sing along with it and love it. I don't think they have a song like that. Alive, maybe. Even so, it doesn't quite have that I won't back down vibe, you know? Yeah, but there are also maybe. very few songs that do. Oh, sure. It's a special yeah, song. One in a, one in a million. Alive could happen. I think Jeremy could happen, but like... Think about it. If Elderly Woman was a hit, or if Black was a was a true like number one single, those could have been songs covered in any situation that people would have sang I'm back to yeah. the band. Yeah. Yep. But they decided that wasn't going to be the route for them. So, yeah, they don't have that. And I think most Pearl Jam fans would probably say something along the lines of oh that's that's not their song that's 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 our song to like so well we'll leave that conversation there but just wanted to bring it up because it doesn't ever get brought up 
Smile, Gibbon Fly, comfortably numb all in this section here. Smile is dedicated to David's brother, Mikey, who had passed away by that point. And what I noticed out of Smile was that, or Ed starts with more of the second verse's intensity, which is interesting. And you're thinking to yourself, like, okay, how is he going to top the second verse? And, and he kind of can't. He does that whole thing twice. I don't know if I've ever heard something like that before out of Smile. Yeah, could have been just, you know, some of the energy coming off of I Went Back Down. He was still kind of jacked up from the crowd reaction and was really feeling it, yeah. Going back to the numbers on Played Then into how much it's been played now, I think Smile's a very interesting case because going into this show, this was the 71st time that it was played, which is pretty criminal since it's been around since uh, 1996. That was the 20th year anniversary. Yep, yep. And it's been played 11 times since. So Not bad. This, yeah, I, this song has had a really good late in life sort of, you want to call it a career? Career to it. Like, it, it's yeah. kind of in that same category as Low Light. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. And it's, you know, it's found a home in that encore spot. Give Jeff a chance to show off on the guitar there a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a fun moment for everybody and obviously emotional for a lot of people. We've seen emotional dedications for it just like this. And yeah, you, you really can't go wrong with the performance of Smile. It is the influx of no code in the set along with Off He Goes, which is never a bad thing. Given a flying comfortably numb, I don't know how I felt about these being back to back. It just felt like after Given a Fly, you wanted to go into something more energetic again instead of going back down into sort of a mid-tempoed chilled out cover again it's the influence of the venue and the environment is that they're going to go for those soaring epic kind of songs here late to bring it home and from given to fly on this just does not let up as far as you know each song is more epic than the last until we get to yellow lit better I thought Given to Fly was great. Love to see it getting a more priority spot here. And even Comfortably Numb, which I actively dislike that song, I thought here it sounded, again, just epic. And I thought Mike really added something to the solo and really was really feeling it. I think, again, if it gets played in an arena, if it gets played in a ballpark, like pass. But I think having it be here in this kind of special venue and special moment really added something to it. So I didn't hate it. Well, you're not wrong, but that's not what I was expecting you to say at all. Yeah, yeah. So my thoughts didn't really come from uh, the factor of you not liking the song. It just came from the two songs are a little bit different, and and given a fly, you kind of want to build off of that. But as you mentioned, it does feel pretty epic towards the end here, and we have four more songs to sort of carry this one home, and that's going to go Black and Crazy Mary first, though. There's some space in between the all B where he holds out the B line, and I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. There's some space in between that. That seems like it's pretty rare.
there is space because I like the build into getting to that next line being the big cathartic moment of the song instead of just an immediate transition as as you always get like you, you hear the oh, I'll be yeah and then you go right into I know someday I'll be beautiful life all that I don't know if it was intentional or not but the extension on that just again kind of felt like there was a build to the big moment instead of the the moment just happening yeah and again I don't, I don't think we have video for this part of the set so we do not know it would have been would have been nice to see if there was something going on that, that led to that but yeah it just it just adds to the tension right anytime you're stretching out those moments it's gonna build the tension up which is always good in a song like black going back to that video thing it's a real shame that there's not like a full professional cut of this because this would be the one that you'd think maybe yeah, Pearl Jam would have would have had it live streamed over COVID and stuff like that but it didn't get picked but this would be the one I think that the visuals would be the best for them obviously but who knows what they did with that and hitting home the end of this obviously Mike is going to go off but it's just pure fun it doesn't have like the soulful morning type solo where he's digging deep into his heart to bring out something heart-wrenching it's fun rock and roll it's fun rock and roll bringing in with something pretty chilled out and smooth and you gotta love it like yeah, it's, it's, it's one yeah. of their best it definitely soars absolutely in between crazy america's you have to talk a little bit about boom in the show which i don't think he had the only other time i've, I've seen stars like you'll see tonight or like was out last night was in the far reaches of, of some Hawaiian island where it was absolutely deserted and there was nothing around. Um, but it's incredible to see the same thing here. Um, but uh, someone who come, came from that spot and, and now uh, we get to see this place together for the first time on the B3 organ, the keyboards, Mr. Boom Gaspar! Man, you can really tell the air has definitely gotten to Ed a little bit in, in this version of Crazy Bear. There's a lot of heavy breathing, a lot of breaking up on the line. So, you know, you got two more left, and he's going to he's gonna leave it all out there for that. But, boy, it's definitely Ed taking a toll on him. You can tell. Yeah, they probably shouldn't have played this long at, at this show. He's never going to be one to pull out and it'd be like, yeah, maybe I'll just give, you know, 50% tonight. Yeah, you're, you're in the 27th song here. He's definitely feeling it. Raising Mary was only six and a half minutes long, too. It was like a 2000s yeah, version. It's about average. You know, sometimes they, they stretch it out, but there wasn't really a back and forth long duel. It was really boom, doing the paint it black. And then yeah. Mike joins in for the for the co-op mode, and they shoot off into the stratosphere. But not a long duel like like some of the ones that we've seen. But it just depends on on the mood. The duel was interesting because it seemed like they kind of didn't know where to go with it at first and it didn't really seem like it was a duel, like you said. It seemed more co-op and it needed a little bit of time to pick up steam before it got to where you really like this to be, but it, it did get there. Even had a little bit of spiraling to madness toward the end of that. I kind of like that. So that's going to lead you into the end of this, though. Alive, Yellow Leadbetter. And Alive is just very powerful. I think you mentioned that every single one feels epic. I thought that Alive kind of defined that idea. It feels like it had bite, and Ed is kind of singing those lyrics with some bite. And to round out the way that the beginning of this night was something that you kind of eased into, where it's it's daylight, and you're enjoying your surroundings, and now you know the lights went out, 
It's, I believe they played until 9.50, if I'm not mistaken. So it's getting close to 10 o'clock. It's kind of like the party hour, if you want to say, being outdoors. And yeah, this is when they, they were really able to go off and really able to kind of leave the show on a really, really good point here. version of Alive that I heard in the 2010s period. Like this is one that I'll definitely go back to because I was really blown. Because you know you get to the end of a of a set like this and you're thinking okay like you look at it and you're like okay Alive feel a little bit better. We're going to start winding down. It's going to be celebration time. But they were really putting everything they had into Alive especially it sounded just huge coming out of the speakers and was very impressed especially you know the way stone and mike are playing together it sounded very very good and cameron like I said just adding a little bit of bite to it as well as that really spotlighted version of a live here either one of the best i've heard in a long long time yep and that's gonna lead of course you know you don't have rocking in the free world or anything like that which i think is appropriate for this i don't know why but it feels like Alive, lead better, say goodbye. Feels like the right call on this. And Ed's thanking everybody. The Shaka, Chicken Skin, whatever. Lots of good books out there. Sleep good. And lead better, of course, is the one that everybody's going to have their arms around each other and, and celebrate a really good night. And, of course, Mike's got a couple of great moments to go after it, especially at the ending where he gets the spotlight in this. It leads to a good end to a memorable night. Like, you can't get much better than that, right? Did you say chicken skin? What was that? Yeah, he said chicken skin. He said chicken skin. I swear. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought you I thought you were just saying shaka. But um yeah, just yellow lead betters, it's the culmination of, of everything of the show and it's it's a way for them to say goodbye and, and appreciate, you know, not just the crowd but the venue and the and the whole like evidently the whole week that they were there. So yeah, it, it needed to be this, absolutely. All right, now we get to go back and talk about what we just talked about. So with that, it's John's turn this week. Yeah, to go first. yeah. Good show here. Uh, hard to pick just top three moments because a lot of good ones early on with the sit-down acoustic set. Honorable mention to, to Off He Goes and Society, which I thought worked up really cool. 
My number three moment, uh, we just talked about it. It's going to be alive, coming off of something that late in the show to to really stand out and really impress. It was very cool, and I definitely like sat up and took notice of the way it sounded. Very, very impressive. My number two moment is going to be Daughter, when the karaoke winners get to come out, and that, that moment with their, their hanger-on friend. And then in, not just for that, but also for the the really good WMA tag where they actually get into a little bit of, of WMA, the song. thought that was very impressive and a cool which, moment. Which, which John, I, I have to say that they would never have invited me on stage if I ever won any sort of <laughs> karaoke competition. Just, just to, to, I don't know if they, sure. they don't want to be upstage or anything, but. They, they, maybe they, they've seen you do go, and maybe that'll be your, your big moment now. Well, because um, Ed probably can't do it anymore, yeah, right? We'll see. We'll see. My number one's going to be Angel. Almost 700 shows, like I said, and never thought it would come back. And the way they were able to kind of rework it and, you know, give Dave a little bit of a shout out there. And very, very cool. And I think that's, like I said, when watching this set list live, that was the moment I remember like, holy fuck, like that immediately cemented the show in my brain as being special and like one that I definitely had to go back and then listen to. So Alive, Daughter and Angel. Yeah, one of those is coming back for sure. My number three is going to be I Won't Back Down for all the things that we talked about with the crowd just sounding terrific on it. And you need one that the crowd is just going to go off on. And some of the stuff, as great as the first 10 were in the campfire buildup to there, like Elderly Woman and Maybe Just Breathe, those were the sing-alongs and Nothing Man were the sing-alongs. But it wasn't like sing-along after sing-along after sing-along. And they really had to wait a while to get to something like I Won't Back Down to really be heard. And when they did it, they just knocked it out of the park. I think the the crowd was really waiting for something like that. My number two is going to be one that you had as an honorable mention there. And it's going to be Off He Goes. And it potentially it's because... We haven't really covered the song in a long time because in some eras it, it doesn't really hit too often in. And, you know, we haven't done 1996 too much this year. So, yeah, it was it was nice seeing this one and hearing this one again. And it really felt like a very positive vibe coming out of it, very anthemic vibe. And I feel like out of all the things and songs that brought out the happiness of the day. Like this one just felt like it defined all that. And uh, number one, I'm with you. It's Angel. When you look at this set on paper, that stands out. A couple things stand out, like Society and Santa Cruz, of course, but Angel is really the one. And you see that 699 number, and you're like, you know, that, that's just impressive. But it's really the one that you would think that before that time, never ever ever would have came back and to see it back and to see it back played the way it was and reworked a little bit the way it was it was uh it was really well done by the band now we get to find out what we're going to rate this day oh this one's a little tough because it's such a unique kind of a show i thought it was very very impressive Uh, i'm gonna give it a nine and a half oh damn wow so it's not a hall of famer However, for me, I think it is a 10. You don't get a lot of these. You just don't. And it's one thing to just do an acoustic beginning and say, oh, well, it was here. But it's another thing to have a theme of the day. And when you have good shows 
that bring out the theme of the location or the mood and that kind of create a mood, those are some of the best. And this absolutely did. And and it didn't just do that with songs that we're all used to. It did that with the, the you know, Angel and, and surprise moments. Like, uh, society had to be, especially after Angel, where you're like, okay, maybe some people don't know what the hell this is, but society, everybody knows what that one is. You know, Santa Cruz, same. Not a lot of people know what that is, but following right back on that, I won't back down. That was only 11th time being played, so that's super rare, too. You know, they had played it in 2016 a little bit, but it's still considered to really not be a part of the Pearl Jam set list at that point. So, yeah, I, I think with all that, and I think with the mood that they created for this show, and I think that with a lot of these performances, especially how the band was feeling, the way that Ed communicated with the crowd, I, I think it has every aspect of being a well-regarded Pearl Jam show, along with all the other shows that deserve this treatment within the acoustic set. I, I think it's a 10 right along with them. It didn't get into Hall of Fame. Got into the hall very good, I suppose. Everything can't. No, it's true. I wasn't anticipating that this one was going to be a lock. And I also said to myself, I'm like, this is a 10, whether or not John says it was a 10 or not. So we've had that before. We've had that before. We've had shows fall just short. And that's not a bad thing because that means after all the 10s, and there could be like 30 of them at this point, this one can fall at 31, and that's okay. So, just putting that out there. Let's talk about some plans for the next couple of weeks before we're hitting into September and some important stuff into September, because that's all of what we're really leading into. Next week is not going to be that. Next week, we're going to do something that was a request, another Horizon-like patron request from Danny Tatlow. And we're going to do, surprisingly, you know, we talked about very, very early on. A couple of years ago, we maybe early last year, 2020, we had this long running joke that we didn't really do a lot of Canada shows because we didn't. We had one in two years, basically, that we had done, and that was Ottawa 2005. Then we got to the binaural show from Toronto. And then after that, we're like, okay, we promise Canadians. We promise we're doing more Canadian shows. And I think the first one that we did out of the gate that was a Canadian show was Saskatoon in 2005. And I believe on that episode, I said, well, we got a lot of other provinces and a lot of other cities that we have to do that we have to cover. So it might be a while before we get to Saskatoon 2011. I don't know if this is considered a while. It's like over a year and a half or so, but we're doing Saskatoon 2011, which is, I think, following some of the themes from that first Saskatoon show. So it will be kind of nice to go back to some of those. But after that week, we're going to spend time on, again, as we did in April, we're going to spend time on the locations that Pearl Jam are going to be at and some of the best shows. You think about Denver, we'll do a show that was out of Denver. You think about Camden, we'll do a Camden show. We'll do a Hamilton show. We'll do Quebec City. St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis, right. We're not going to get to every single location because that might be impossible, especially because MSG, we've covered all those before. But we will do our best to kind of hype you up if you are going to these shows and kind of get you a little bit of the history of the last time that they were there. So before we do that, we're going to do Saskatoon because that's exactly where this falls and exactly what makes sense for everybody. So 
Hopefully you guys are tuning in then. Hopefully you guys are checking out Patreon, patreon.com slash live on four legs. Hopefully you guys are checking out live on four legs.com. Get that bookmarked. And hopefully you guys are subscribed. If you're not, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating if you'd like. Leave us a little comment if you'd like. All the help matters. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. Keep here for the next couple weeks, and we're just going to keep preparing for the last leg of 2022. And by that, we're going to start with Saskatoon 2011. See you next week. I have an appointment at noon in hell. They're beautiful. That's everybody in the back. Here we are. Here we are. Kiss. Shaka. Thanks again for a beautiful night. Much love. Chicken skin. Hey. Very nice people. A lot of good books out there. Thank you. Sleep good.